All right, all right. Check, check, check one, check two, check three, four, five, nine, seven, eleven. Welcome to the cannabis coffee hour. With your host, me, Rob Cantrell, coming back again and again for another episode of the most exciting, exhilarating podcast in the absolute universe. It's me, comedian Rob Cantrell, running around, doing shows, writing scripts, flipping chips, doing acting, uh, living my life, growing older, meditating and stretching and drinking seltzer. You know the nine. But the nine isn't the one. The one is uh, this episode. And this is episode 213. That is 213 weekly episodes of the Cannabis Coffee Hour that I have been giving to you for free. So why don't you just like and subscribe if you're on iTunes, if you're on Spotify, but the number one thing, yo, is uh, is the is the YouTube. You gotta you gotta go subscribe to the YouTube. The YouTube is where it's at. I'm addicted to YouTube. You're addicted. I'm not. I don't know if I'm addicted, but it is my main source of uh, media. I have to say, I like all the streaming networks. I got my shows, and I do this and that. But uh, you know, just the the internet's just getting big and wild. And we have to watch it, you know, with all this technology and mental health. At least that's what I, where I'm heading at. Like, even my social media apps, I demolished my Twitter. I just got it down. I'm not messing with it anymore. Twitter never really... I never rocked it. I never liked it. I mean, I kind, I mean the promo, I got up to like 3,000 followers, which was dope. I appreciate everybody that ever followed me. Um... But uh, it was just, it, uh, all those social media sites are a lot of noise. But the one that I do, like, uh, take care of and update is um, my Pinterest. No, I, have, I, don't, I was thinking about going big on Pinterest, dropping everything, and just rocking Pinterest, just being the number one Pinterest comedian in the world. I just have uh, pictures of uh, house plants and uh, uh, belts and um and maybe some dust balls <laughs> uh ooh, this is afternoon coffee good lord good lord uh yeah i'm taping this in the late afternoon um but this is episode 213 that's 213 episodes and i think out of the 213 episodes this is the first one that i am not high for <laughs> But uh, but I'll show you my pure essence. My pure essence is pretty much goofball. If anything, I think I'm even weirder when I'm not smoking weed. I mean, even when I was young, I always had a hippy dippy vibe, and kind of people would say I was like a love sun child or something. I had this crazy blonde hair, but uh, but you know. People would think I was high all through high school, and I didn't smoke weed in high school. I don't think cannabis is good for the young folks. I'm sorry. 
I do think it's good for after, tw- as somebody that like started drinking way too young, smoking cigarettes way too young, you know, I'm Gen X, so I was raised like wolves, just thrown out into the wild. Um, and I was smoking cigarettes by fourth grade and, and drinking beer by sex, by seventh and eight. And it was just ugh, uh, a mess. And, um, and I always used cannabis as I got older as a way to steer away from alcohol and cigarettes because that is the mainstream uh, hangout vibe post, you know, adult, young adult life thing. But uh, as I got older, it was just weird how, how I started, you know, and cannabis was like this back room thing and it was like hippy dippy. Um, you know, and then it went into hip hop and I was into hip hop. It kind of followed me and then comedy. It's always, cannabis is always around some of these circles, especially the more creative circles, jazz, hip hop, um, stand up, um, what else? <laughs> Painting, graphic design, definitely some uh, smoked out artists. Um, shout out uh, my buddy Nick Lack that did my logo. He's a great graphic designer. He did a couple of the albums f- for a few metal bands that I dig. It was cool that he did that. And then, oh, oh Robert Crumb. I, I went through a big Robert Crumb phase. I definitely was a comic book not nerd kid i just went i went through phases and comic books definitely stuck in there and my mom would want me to read by any means necessary so if i wanted comic books she would get me some comic books just to get me um out of the tv zone and you know just reading i think reading is a great i mean i'm reading i'm trying to read one book a month right now and i'm getting there i'm doing it um i definitely read that great meditation book I don't know if the self-help books are that. But this coffee, I got to watch it. It's strong. So what I'm drinking, dude, you don't even know. This is somebody came back from Cuba and gifted me, you know, kind of one of my friend circles that aren't in in show business, um, gifted me um, some coffee. And it was in this glass jar. And the beans looked blue. Like literally blue, but it's, it was from Cuba. And it, I think it's a lot like Cuban cigars. Like, And I did, and it is the most darkest, evilest coffee. But I do like it because it tastes like smoke. It literally, I, I could tell it was probably like dried out in Cuba in some old school method of like in a mountain. Like it feels, it is not processed at all. I, at first I was like, I don't, it had this weird like fermented flavor and then I drank it. You ever have, you ever have like a uh, barbecue that's like really smoky flavored and there's this stuff called liquid smoke. If you're into cooking and you, you know, you want to give it that smoky flavor, um, there is this stuff. I went through a phase of cooking. I would make mac and cheese and then I would chop up like one of those chicken sausages and some onions, and then I would put some liquid smoke in it, you know, so I would have this smoky uh, sausage mac and cheese super bomb. Mac and cheese went through a huge phase in uh, about 10 years ago. I mean, it's still bomb. You don't, I mean, it's still, you know, you can't go wrong with some mac and cheese, but people were eating it like, um, it was just everywhere. You were like, oh, this place has good mac and cheese. 
But things kind of go and come and go around. I think after a while, I mean, if you eat too much mac and cheese, that will definitely um, stop you up. I mean, uh, in the stomach zone. But yeah, this this coffee, I'm sipping on it because it is the afternoon. Um, it's late Friday. I've been doing I, I've been doing shows. I've been submitting all these writing projects. I've been uh, working on my stand up. I've been going out. Been hanging with the crew. Um, shout out to the Funhouse show at my one of my favorite places is Pete Candy Store in Williamsburg. If you're ever in Brooklyn and you just want a chill, low keyed place, like it's mostly music. It's mostly singer songwriters, and it's in this really small room, but it's clean and mean and lit right. And they got a backyard that's sick. But there's a lot of places like that. But there's something special about Pete's Candy Store. Um, and they have a great show on Wednesday. I did that on Wednesday on, at 10 p.m. It's a late show. Um, and it's just loose. The place was packed. Um, they put me up first, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, my stand-up, um, shout out. I did this other show uh, in the Lower East Side in New York last weekend out of nowhere. And then I got a hit up. There were these grandmas, like, Older women, I shouldn't say grandmas, but they were, you know, they were definitely maybe 60 plus, uh, and they loved me, <laughs> and they sent me a bunch of kind emails saying how much fun they had, and they really enjoyed my set, so I loved it, man. I'll have grandmas in my uh, demo. I'll have everybody. I like everybody, uh, and I say, I say the best crowd is the most diverse crowd for me. I, I like black, white, Puerto Rican, Asian, male, female, age range. If you have a freaky bone or just like an obscure bone and you also like positive vibes, then uh, that's my shit. Uh, that's what I dig. That's what I dig. But I do, I am doing longer sets. I got a plug, or an, I shouldn't say plug, but I want to hype up um, because they are kind of a big deal. Like I'm doing headlining shows and I haven't been. Headline, headlining and stand-up comedy means I'm going to be doing 45 minutes plus, like I'm going to be doing, and that's when I get really loose. I mean, you guys hear it on this, but uh, my stand-up style is a little bit more animated, a little bit more out there, out there, out there. Who knows where it goes sometimes, but I also have a bunch of like jokes that I've been working on. Um, you know, my set always kind of evolves. I'll keep stuff around for a couple years, stuff falls off, but I definitely need to record a special. That's the big goal this year, because I do feel COVID is dipping, and I saw all of these comedy specials with people with masks on and the crowd. I definitely want to get to a point where people aren't wearing, I mean, I don't mind people wearing masks. I wear masks inside, but if I'm going to put this thing down, I want to wait just enough for maybe we get out of this awkward funky phase like we're all coming out of this thing like i was hanging at this show at pecan at, at this show in brooklyn i and some of these guys i haven't seen like in years like three years because i've just dipped out um so and i think we all go through it, but being online and podcasts and zooming and all that like you you think people are around but the nothing beats uh the three-dimensional you know, you could talk about chat G-I, A-I, A-I, chat G-P or whatever, but it's not three-dimensional. 
artificial intelligence isn't as fresh and dope as being in a human being. And I truly, truly don't, as I've always said in this podcast, I don't think we even have gotten close to the evolving to what a real, what the potential of human beings are, you know, and I do think uh, the movement towards legalized cannabis and the movement towards looking at psychedelics for ha- uh, mental health is uh, is a part of the game, man. It's a part of um, figuring out why we're here. Well, you don't want to think about it too deep. Um, but, you know, what it is to be human, a lot of it. It comes back to being kind and helping each other out because at the end of the day, all you have is this moment. And I know, you know, I've had a temper before and I've popped off on people and I've always like, those are the things I look back on and like, "Ah, I wish I didn't do that. Uh, But sometimes it's needed. (laughs) You know, I always try to stay in the middle. I try to balance it out. Um, I try to, because, you know, being too nice, being too kind You don't want to be a sucker, you know, you don't want to be a pushover, but you also want to keep your heart open enough in the moment where you can respond with kindness is where I'm at. Like even today, somebody was trying to talk to me and I had a ton of shit going on and I didn't really know him that much. I knew him, you know, I was just, I was on the move in the streets and uh, I was kind of short. And then I walked away. I was like, man, I shouldn't have been short. I could have open my heart a little bit more to that situation. I'm trying to leave everybody with a positive vibe. Uh, not all the time. Like, it can't be all positive. You got you to gotta be in the truth. You got, I mean, that's a lot of what might have been meditating. There's not really a good and bad. There just is. And then you got to deal with what is. So it's like, you know, whether it's Trump or Putin, or we just have to deal with it, whether it's legalization of cannabis, uh, them knocking down abortion rights. Like you get into the you just have to deal. Um, and speaking of deal, you got to come out. I'm headlining Egremont. This is place is called The Barn. I've done this gig before. It's in Massachusetts in the beautiful Berkshire Mountains. I love going up there. It's this hippy dippy kombucha weed growing now massachusetts has really impressed me with their cannabis movement and the cannabis move uh cannabis that they have and the selection they have and i will say i think with this podcast i really want to go towards outdoor grown cannabis as i get i've gotten older i'm gen x um and i want to keep smoking but the cannabis is out there, like, you know, there's just so much money that's on the table, like a lot of these bodegas. I hit somebody's joint the other day, and I could tell that it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't up to snuff, man. It was more, it was, I could tell it was on from the black market, which isn't bad. I'm not dissing on anybody. I just believe in kind of like normal THC levels. I'm not a dude that dabs, uh that does like the concentrates and I'm not hating on like if you break your leg or I mean, there's reasons for everything, but I'm, I mean, as me as a gen X dude going into the universe and as I use cannabis as a tool to sleep and kind of like get through the funk now and then, and then do daily chores. I might hit it. 
Uh, I want outdoor grown, uh, decent level THC. Me, I really like a good level of CBD and THC. I have to say that I have been using these great gummies. I'll shout out, it's called Not Pot. Uh, somebody gave me a jar of these. And, I, and a lot of people have given me tons of CBD edibles and stuff. But these really do put me, like, I really sleep well on those bad boys. Uh, as you know, my mind in, you know, can wander and, and go really fast. And sometimes it's just really hard to sleep. And that's why, you know, I meditate and I have all these crazy mantras. Not crazy mantras, but I got my own shit um, that I am trying to... Uh, what you're trying to do with the mantras and meditate is literally heighten your consciousness. And I and people are like, what are you talking about? I, I'll put it in layman's terms. I'm fucking, you know, just a sea-suit and goofball from the back of the room, flipping boogers, all that uh, goofball to the core. Um, but it's awareness. Awareness. So you start thinking, all this stuff like, do I have enough money? Is my dick big enough? I'm sorry. Is uh, is this food? Uh, I don't know what I'm gonna do. What I'm gonna do when I'm 98 years old? Oh no! All that stuff that's like zipping through your head is literally just is just like mental concepts that aren't reality. The only thing that's reality is right there that. That knock, there it was, there it went, there it goes. Um, so what with meditation and, and gaining awareness, it's like you're out of that circle that's just like in your brain and you're kind of like expanding your awareness. So you're kind of aware of like whether somebody's suffering or how you react to somebody that's maybe toxic or negative, like you can feel it a little bit more. And either move away with away from it, or you know, choose a different angle how to combat it. Um, not, I wouldn't say combat it. To sometimes you just you have to deal with toxic people. Sometimes, especially in show business, uh, in comedy and stuff, there's a lot of toxicity in the city. No, um, and I find that you know. My awareness, uh, if I expand it, but uh, you, the same thing with toxic people. I don't want to call people toxic too much because then I'm labeling them, and I think you drop out of forgiveness mode. And I do think forgiveness is key moving forward because the country, even the world, society. I don't know, internet, everything. Everybody's so divided and getting in their bubbles. Like you could find something wrong with everybody. So that's where I think forgiveness in the heart and in the moment, in dealing with the moment, if you approach somebody or somebody's just brought into your gravity zone, um, you know, you just got to forgive a little bit more, you know, forgive them for not being fucking super perfect, you know, you know, and keep it moving. Love, love, love and the vibe. But yeah, that's the Egremont. I've done this gig before. I'm doing an hour. Did I tell you the date, yo? Um, ooh la la la. April 13th, Egremont, Massachusetts. It's the barn. Check that out. It's a Thursday. And then I'm doing, these are headlining gigs. So I'm trying to book more headlining gigs. You know, I opened for, you know, I opened for Tracy Morgan for over a year and a half. I opened for some of the best. 
Uh, Mitch Hedberg, shout out, just to drop a few names. My buddy Arch Barker, who's big in Australia, was on uh, one of the funniest cats on Flight of the Concords. Um, who else do I got to give a shout out? I mean, Craig Robinson was good to me. You know, there's a bunch of cats that I've worked with over the years, you know, and I like I like doing <laughs> I like not having the pressure to sell tickets, but selling tickets is a part of the game, you know, and uh, if you're not moving up, you, you got to keep moving on. Um, so I'm trying to move up. So you got to come out to these shows. I'm going to be at the punchline headlining Philadelphia. Now, the weird thing about the punchline is I started in 1999 at, in my home club, the first club that was ever gave me a check for doing stand-up was the punchline in san francisco and i did i have the check and the trippy thing about it is the trippy thing about it is is uh it was uh for bill graham presents the check was written out right now it was it's all like clear channel and these big super corporate which isn't bad i mean that you know the check's clear that's what's good about them but the original cat um bill graham wikipedia him um he did all the early grateful dead shows all the early jefferson airplane all the band like i don't know san francisco just had this great the fillmore had like three or like it had so many great music venues like it you know i had lived in dc and the dc's got great music too 930 club go go for life rare essence chuck brown the whole thing, I could talk about it forever, but uh, there was just a lot, when I arrived into San Francisco in 99 to 2003, I saw a ton more shows, um, music shows, and it just seemed like shit was going on every other night, um, and one of the things was, uh, every all those venues were, were booked by Bill Graham Presents, and the punchline was booked by Bill Graham Presents. And that's, you know, Bill Graham was like, you know, essential key to the Grateful Dead, you know, doing shows and getting such a big following in San Francisco. He was the booker. He was like, it was, it would be like, he was like the music mafia of, of the early uh, hippie dippy LSD scene. Um, which I do love. Uh, I'm not full on hippy dippy. Like I go everywhere, you know, uh, with shit I dig, but, uh, I do have respect, uh, for the Grateful Dead and, uh, and we're going to talk about all kinds of different music, but yeah, it was just, it's just going to be a trip that I'm playing, uh, the punchline again. I haven't done it in a while. Um, but I got the material and, uh, Philly has always been good to me. So I need you guys to spread word. I'm headlining the punchline in Philadelphia, May 18th. Uh, get the word out. Uh, smoke a joint. I swear, if you, if you smoke a joint uh, for my show, uh, you'll have a lot of fun. Or you don't. You don't have to. I'm not even high right now. And sometimes I'm high on stage. Sometimes I'm not. You know, it cannabis is kind of like coffee to me. Like I can... I'm trying to get to a place like I've fiended before <laughs> over the years where I'm like, oh, man, I need some wheat. Um, but then there's times where, you know, at this moment, as everything's opening up and getting legal. And that's where I was saying about the quality of cannabis. And as I get older, I just want, you know, it's just like picking out your fruit. 
I'm not saying that indoor hydroponic, you know, super frosted out. Um, but that's why I always liked to going to Jamaica because I knew the herb was uh, grown outside. And I just have a better, I don't know, I have a better feel and it has a, it doesn't have as much wear and tear on my psyche and everything. Um, if I know it's grown outside, I can even taste the sun in it sometimes. Um, and it never, when it's grown outside, it's never overpowerful to me. It's just like, if it's done right, it's just perfect. It's like eating a really good honey crisp apple to me. Um, it tastes good. You know, I never, I never smoked it to black out of my problems or get so fucked up. I can't see straight. Uh, um, no, I used it as kind of keeping things lucid and a little bit on the creative. And then if I was having aches in my bones and then definitely for sleep, that's kind of how I, uh, worked with cannabis. Um, there's some major, um, I just, Kentucky finally, shout out to Kentucky. I've, I've smoked some weed in Kentucky. I like when the South is, um, embracing cannabis now the south i know about the south i grew up in virginia in a town called buena vista virginia half my childhood and my dad was from pound virginia a town of like 500 coal mining town in the southern tip of virginia my grandfather was a child working coal miner you know just like so there's a part of my family my mom's from michigan my dad's from virginia Part of it, like, I I get the South. My uncle was from Tennessee and used to chew Red Man and go bass fishing. All that shit that Kid Rock wants to be was uh, my uncles and cousins. Not, I don't want to dog that dude. Everybody's dogging that dude. I'm not trying to shout out anybody. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, I definitely have a little bit of the Southern roots in me in that sense. Um, but... The, one of the reasons I got out, it was definitely drinky and tobacco-y. And then, you know, the Dirty South is pretty much about bourbon and cocaine, um, if you get down to it. Um, and I know all those cats. I don't mean I know all the cats, but you know what I mean. I've been around those cats, and those cats were my friends, you know. And people people get ripped up there. But not, it's a different kind of rip-roaring. And I'm not saying that's not fun. I'm just saying it takes away. And organ. I hope as the South opens up towards cannabis. And I have seen them. Virginia is doing some weird shit. Like they don't know how to sell it or something. I'm scared what's happening there. I'm not scared because I do think I've seen things work out. It just takes time and mistakes, (laughs) but the mistakes, uh, but so Kentucky, I hear, uh, the bluegrass state, the Kentucky has just finally, um, legalized a comprehensive medical marijuana access so that's great you know some you know if when people have cancer or got bad knees especially with all this opioid epidemic like i don't think it's gonna knock out the pain as much but you know a couple of those super dabs or some of those you know there's enough you know they can make cannabis so strong now they could probably do operations on people. I'm not saying that, but that's that could be a funny joke in my act if I work it out. Uh, they could do like you know um, 
they can make it like you know doing up i don't think that much but some of the some of this cannabis is super strong out there i'm just saying watch out get intelligent what i would recommend is finding a place that is definitely certified by the state government not that i'm pro-government but i just like checks and balances i just like things checked out especially if you're going to ingest it into your system so um outdoor grown not everyone has it um and you could find it and they have it cheaper in michigan they the lady was about to sell me an ounce for like 50 bucks i didn't get it because uh, i had to get it back on a plane i'm not once you get up in the air that that's uh, i wouldn't recommend that because it's not federal open yet but it will be one day hopefully uh one day oh today's a wild day today's good friday shout out to uh jesus also passover shout out to the uh the tribe i dig everybody you know muslims i did you know with religion i i think a lot of it's with politics like i don't want to go too deep on religion i do i will say i fuck with jesus in the sense of peace and love and i don't even if you don't believe him, I don't care. I just think it was more of an example of somebody that took a left when everybody went right. And maybe, you know, maybe turning the other cheek isn't right or smart. But if you look at it from a sense that we're all connected, and that's what I always feel when I take mushrooms, is that it is one universe, and that is the ego death, and it's one organism. Um, so that's what I do feel. And that's when I do feel that, you know, that's what bums me out about all this gun. Like, I'm just not into all the automatic guns. And, you know, I, I believe people should arm themselves. I should I believe you got to watch your back. But at the same time, you know, once it gets perverted into like semi-automatic rap, some 60-year-old dude that got billions of, got, has a thousand machine guns in his house and he barely talks to anybody, you know, like get the fuck out of here, you know, um, with that shit, you know. Um, but there's me judging again. <laughs> I don't have all the answers and I promised myself not to go super political on this podcast, but I don't want to be the cat that just stands around and doesn't say anything when shit gets weird. So I just want to go on record that, yeah, I don't fuck with any Trump shit and I don't fuck with guns. And I'm not, and I have friends that, you know, are Republicans and they're great people. These are people that have had my back when the chips have been down and they would probably, you know, shoot somebody for me if I was in trouble. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I'm, that's just peace, love, love, peace is in my heart. Saying that for Good Friday, shout out to the Passover people, shout out to the Hindus, shout out to Islam, shout out everybody, all one love, let's get together and feel all right. Uh, but yeah, speaking of, of psychedelics, the, the earliest Grateful Dead song, well, the Fillmore, I'll tell you this, this is what was cool about starting in San Francisco in 1999. I started stand-up in the 90s, motherfucker. So if you come out and see... And I'm trying... I shouldn't say... That is ego right there. Um, uh, 
so if you do if you when i when i if you do come out to see a stand-up show like i do have experience um i just haven't gone viral viral but uh i do i do have very good experience and i could do the show and i learned a lot of it from doing all the stage time in San Francisco in my beginning. And then I moved to LA for a couple years and then I've been in New York since 2005. So yeah, man, in terms of America, there's, I'm as American as it gets. I was born in DC, raised in Virginia, started comedy in San Francisco and went to LA and been in New York for the last 15 years. It's been a wild, wild, cool ride. Um, and I stressed out a lot of the way, but when you look back on all those stresses, I'm like, I shouldn't have stressed as much. That's where I'm trying to get is to not think and kind of get to a point where, um, you're not reflecting, you're letting the light go all the way through. Like when, I think when you're overanalyzing things and thinking too much, you're letting the light kind of reverberate back and forth and going all around your head and swirling it. Instead of that, just let it go all the way out. I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, it does to me. <laughs> In terms of uh, psychedelics, oh, oh yeah. So, you know, everybody's ragging on the homeless problem. And I do think that has to do with hard drugs and mental health. A lot of the homeless stuff is mental health, you know, and I, and I do believe that's why meditation could be great if mainstreamed into American society because you're pretty much programming your consciousness and through programming your consciousness, you almost can, I won't say manipulate your reality, but you can see it from a different perspective that doesn't lend itself to negative thinking and thoughts, um, if that makes any sense. But one of the early songs, 1966, Mindbender, uh, written by Phil Lesh and Jerry Garcia. I saw this, and it was like a black and white film at the Fillmore, which I used to go to. I saw some great shows. I saw Cypress Hill at the Fillmore. early. I would say that would be year 2000 I saw him there. And then I saw um, my one of my favorite like rock bands is uh, Supergrass. Now, Supergrass is from England, and there's something about dudes doing rock and roll from England that just sounds cool. Now, these dudes have got great guitar tones, sick guitar tones. A lot of what I've learned about music, especially rock and roll, is first is the guitar tone and a good riff, nice, tasty riff. And if your guitar tone has a nice, cool, there's something like Prince always had cool guitar tones. And Garcia is like the master, man, of tone. Like Grateful Dead definitely rocked with tones and then you put a funky backbeat and the grateful dead has two drummers so it kind of reminds me of that dc go-go music especially ico ico which also has a new orleans um uh, influence on it which is like an original new orleans uh jazz song almost um let's see like french i don't i haven't that's uh, you know i act like i'm all worldly but the weird thing is two places i've never been I have never been to New Orleans in America, and I have never been to Vancouver. So I promise you, I've got to book gigs there and do this podcast there, because those are great uh, weed towns. 
I don't know about New Orleans is like scares me because I do have some I have a, one of my best college friends. Shout out to Jake. You know who you're talking about. I don't know if he listens to this. I haven't seen him in years, but I love you, dude. Um, I think he lives in New Orleans, um, but it's a big drinky town, man. And I'm not, you know, I'm not all about getting fucked up, but I used to. <laughs> and I had some great friends and some great times that I never would take back. Um, but I know he's down there. And the thing is, is they got a lot of great music venues. And the music there is just never nonstop. And if you want good jazz and good funk and good R&B, and they got great hip hop too, you know. Little Wayne, that whole thing came out of there. Um, so, you know, it's just musically, you know, they could say even American, most of American uh, rock and roll and jazz, like that, earth, if you trace it back, it kind of goes back to New Orleans. Um, but San Francisco, speaking of that, was the Fillmore. And I think I've talked about it. The thing that was cool about the punchline and and it was back in the Bill Graham Presents days is that I got to go to the company party at the Fillmore, which I've I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I, I just got to talk about it again. I just got to put it on record that it was one of the best parties I've ever been to was the Bill Graham Presents at the Fillmore. And because I worked at the punchline and I was a comic there and I was opening... Uh, opening as an open comic and back then they would have shows from Tuesday to Saturday so I would do like seven shows in one week now everything has gotten so tight where the headliner comes in maybe three nights at most um, and then the other days are filled like it was just a different time and a different style like I think everything has gotten so expensive rent has gotten so expensive there's no like, oh, we just got our local crowd and that's it. And like, no, like every seat needs to be filled and accounted for in order to make the nut, so to speak, uh, for the venue. So I get it. Everybody gets it. But uh, it used to be a little bit more loosey-goosey in terms of, uh, you know, I would work like a whole week. So as an opener, I'd be there Monday, I would be there Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, two shows. By the end of the week, you would, I would just be like, because I was partying a lot. That was back, even when I started, I didn't. I would smoke a lot, but I might have two or three beers. And by the time I started doing stand-up, I was 27 when I first started stand-up. So yeah, my drinking day, like I said, I started drinking really early. So my drinking days were way behind me. And I was just, I, it just didn't appeal to me. I did it all in college and high school. You know, uh, it wasn't ever going to get more fun than that. Adult drinking's cool, but, you know, the hangover wasn't worth it. I had shit to do. I was trying to go for my dream. It just seemed to slow it down. And that's when, you know, I was just like, yo, I'm going all in with coffee and weed. And hence, I have the coffee, <laughs> the cannabis, the premier. I mean, I know there's a lot of uh, cannabis coffee hours or cannabis. People try to do cannabis coffee podcasts, but I'm sticking with it. And, uh. And, there, and there's this other band that's out there called Little Stranger, and they have a song called Coffee in a Joint, and that's a big hit. These guys are playing like real venues, but I just have to say, I had my song first, 
coffee and weed before all these fools. And uh, I have to say, it was really written on a lot of coffee and a lot of weed. Shout out to Adam Dubin, the director of that video. You can check out that video on my YouTube. Adam Dubin, that was trippy and surreal. Adam Dubin, I'm going to have him on the podcast. You can go back. He's on. He was like actually one of my first guests. He's like a, a film director, and I would say probably one of my mentors in terms of like directing and shooting stuff. But he directed and shot the first two beasts, not the very first, but he did Fight for Your Right to Party. He directed that and like scoped out all the jokes, how it was shot, everything. Him and shout out RIP Rick Manello did this. And I got to know these cats when I came to Brooklyn. His wife worked at the comedy club and I had dinner and I just clicked with Adam really well. Like we just clicked. And then I asked him to direct. I had said, yo, I got this song. I got Arch Barker on it. Who's just on the flight of the Concord. It's called Coffee and Weed. Um, can you direct this video for me? And he shot the whole thing. We did it over a couple days. He couldn't have been cooler. I couldn't get him. He did it out of the kindness of his heart and in uh, the love of the project. And I did some acting for him on some short films um, that I, you know, so we, we, you just work with cats and it wasn't, these were definitely like passion projects and uh, not, but you can check out coffee and weed on my uh, YouTube page. RIP Rick Manello. Thank you very much, Adam Dubin. Thank you very much. Danny Danko, the world-famous uh, cannabis growers in the vi video. That's when I was definitely hanging out a ton at High Times Magazine, right, when I came to New York. Like, High Times had their office in New York, and I got to be friends with them. They would come out to comedy shows and then invite me up to the office. And then when I got up there, they had the best herb in town. I remember seeing Damon Dash hanging out. I was in a poker game. They used They had this – this is back when it was all illegal, too – they had this like uh, poker tournament, late night poker tournament. I remember I got invited and it was in a loft and it was all like these New York high rollers. But the like the the winning circle was a pound of like some of sour diesel back in the day when sour diesel was the shit in New York, like as stoners. But uh, yeah, Damon Dash was there. He was playing. And I suck at poker. I think I, f I fell out the first hand and then I just hung out. <laughs> and it was a cool scene. There was a, back then there was just, and you could, cannabis wasn't around and they had the best and they were all weed snobs. So, um, hardcore weed snobs. And so they always had great herb. Um, I would say probably the best in New York. And I just, <laughs> I ended up like camping out at their office because of that. Uh, Shout out old school New York High Times. The new school's great. They're based in L.A. now, and I have done a little work with them. But it's more online and not as uh, a magazine. I always loved Rolling Stone magazine, and I always loved High Times. I even had a subscription to The Source. Uh, my mom would get me a subscription to anything that would make me read. She would, she would lock in. Like she just she was just early on, and it's you know reading's just good for your brain, and it doesn't have to be you know the most highbrow shit as long as you're reading. But yeah, okay, back to this party at the Fillmore. So the, it, I, I, I've talked about this before, but this I just have to talk about it because it doesn't seem real. 
But yeah, you get in for free because not everybody, but I was invited because I worked. So it was all the workers that worked all the venues for Bill Graham Presents. And it was at the Fillmore. And I remember they had a female ACDC cover band called ACDC on stage playing. And then on the dance floor, like where if you were at a concert where everybody stands and like, oh, smoking bowls and cheering on... Um, Smashing Pumpkins or whatever you're fucking going to go see. Uh, they had beds. It was like 50 beds. Like, it, But it wasn't an orgy vibe. It was just people hanging out. And then they had stations where it was like, there was a burrito station. There was a, and it was great burritos, man. And this was, SF is like, in terms of Chipotle, Chipotle actually bit the style of, it was the Taqueria Cancun. Some of these taquerias that were in San Francisco that were like the ultimate. I remember going to LA, I would say in 2002, 2003, and going to like the first Chipotle there and being like, there's something. I just felt like they were just ripping off that whole thing. Um, that whole hidden culture of burritos in San Francisco. Uh and L.A. had burritos, but their style was different. They had, L.A., you get tacos. It's all about the taco trucks. San Francisco's all about the burritos. I The one, uh, the place is like the most mainstream is Taqueria Cancun and the Mission. This yellow, I remember. It's, I've ate there so, the weird thing is I lived in San Francisco for three and a half, but I think it just had such an influence on me that I just remember it so much. But I know if I move away from New York, I'm going to be like, Jesus Christ, I was in New York for 15 years. Like I got married and I, you know, I've done everything. I've lived my life here. Um, but I've always been on the road and doing it. And I love New York. I think it's keeping me young because all I do is walk around and it's always busy and always testing you. I always make fun of my wife. Uh, she's a true blue New Yorker, but I'm always like, you know, this place, this town never stops testing your ass. Like, it's just constantly test, test, test. Like, it never makes anything easy. So you have to, like, that's why it's not the best weed town, but it's getting there with all these great uh, cannabis areas and, you know, just the, all the old cultures. You know, there's Jamaican culture, hip-hop culture. Um, you know, cannabis was running through all these scenes. Um, and now it's so great you know, that everything's opening up, it's not perfect. I know it's not perfect. And I'm not a fan of the black market bodega weed. I'm a fan of the organic um, weed uh, that is uh, officially stamped. Um, and the one, you know, back home, that's, the, that's my favorite uh, right now. And I'll try some others, and we'll try others on this podcast. But right now, I'm having a fun time on this podcast. I'm just sipping on this crazy blue Cuban coffee that somebody gifted me that I can't... It's the crazy... It tastes like smoke. Like, literally, I think they were like charcoal chunks in this shit. But back to this party. Oh, yeah, there were beds everywhere. I just remember rolling joints, hanging with my, like, few comedy friends. It was Dan Crawford, my best friend who actually passed away, which bums me out, but it's like a memory, you know, you got to keep those dudes in your heart, and you got to talk about them, um, 
And then it was in Gaio Bielum, in Gaio Bielum, probably the, one of the biggest stoner comics in San Francisco ever. Uh, and a couple other cats, and we were just rolling and checking out the band and eating free burritos. It was just sick. It was just sick, sick, sick. Um, but it reminded, and then I watched this old film, 1966, black and white. And the, I guess the film more, this was like early raves. Like they literally would go in and, you know, psychedelics were, and this is 66, so it still wasn't 69. Like it hadn't peaked yet. The weird thing about it is, is like, People say the summer of 69, but before them was the beatniks like Jack Kerouac and Ken Kesey, who was the LA LSD acid test. Um, so there was always like this art movement, this art psychedelic movement happening. And then the Grateful Dead happened. And this is one of their earlier songs, Mindbender. And it was like... Totally, like, you could just see, like, this was like an early, like, I don't know, rave for them. And this is like the first early, like, they don't play this song only but like three times. And the lyrics are very minimal. And it's almost, you know, when you start talking about psychedelic music, it gets kind of cheesy. When things get too flowery and too, like, you know, out there, sometimes you got to have a balance. But I think they were just pushing it and just learning it, um, but this is it, is like, this lyrics to Mindbender, check this out, I'm reading this on uh, Genius, it used to be Rap Genius, but they got all these ads, literally they just took all the lyrics of all these great hip-hop things, but they must have sold it for a billion dollars to some company, because now it's just stocked with ads, don't you hate when the, it's just like, and it slows your computer, my computer's just like huffing and puffing now, just being on this fucking site, but the Mindbender lyrics, if only I could be less blind, if only I knew what to find, everywhere and all the time, it's bending my mind, Confusion's Prince is at my door, the crown I wear is the one he wore, he's here to bring me down some more and bend my mind. A friendly stranger calls my name. He only wants me for his game. But it don't matter just the same. I'll bend his mind. I've waved my flags into the sun. I've fought my wars and now they've won. And I didn't need nobody's gun. I bent my mind. If only I could be less blind. If only I knew what to find. Everywhere and all the time, it's bending my mind. Oh, wow. You know, there's some of it, it's, some of it's, you know, like, you know, but I love this lyric. I've waved my flags into the sun. I fought my wars and now they've won. And I didn't need nobody's gun. I bent my mind. You know, it's just like war is stupid. Guns are stupid. Like when you're in that psychedelic space, and you're understanding, like, killing the ego and getting to a point where it's all organic. This plant matter, this, this the earth, the, the, the sun, it's all the same thing happening at the same time. And that time is right now. So when you go down, I'm going to kill somebody, anger, death, blah, all that. All that energy on that, it's just, is it needed? 
to go for? And do we need to go further? Like, I, I just think in like inner space is where it is. Like going inside your heart, going inside, looking inside, when, especially when the chips are down. Um, I know every, there's a lot of people wigging out about my, you know, just everything's so up in the air. Oh, I just knocked over a seltzer water. Uh, but when things are kind of sketch, you can find a place of peacefulness inside if you just, and that's what I've learned with meditation. And I've learned that with being on the stage, instead of wigging out, you just kind of breathe in that moment and just sit in it. And then an option will open up. And I think that's where improv gets involved. And uh, that's why I think about peace, you know, world peace. Like, you know, I just think instead of all these stupid wars and... But, you know, then there's fucking dumb bullies and sometimes you got to protect your neck. I get it. But I just wish, you know, people can get to a point... Uh, of raising our consciousness that we understand that you know killing somebody or having the will to kill isn't isn't really helping anything like it might help temporarily but i think the real gig is always to let go and be but it's hard as fuck man being positive is hard as fuck especially when shit goes down you know i you know i'm just trying to feel it out you know, and I don't want to go too, <laughs> too spiritual or too hippy dippy or too meditation-y. Um, we could talk about cliff bars. <laughs> I've been, uh, I've been really have been working hard. Like I submitted, you know, a script. I've been dead sober the last 48 hours, just like cranking on these scripts and these writing projects. Um, you know, as if you're, if you are a writer and you are a cannabis smoker, uh, what, George Carlin always said, and I, I think he's 100% right. The best way to do it is to write it, do the work sober, like do all the hard lifting, like write four pages dead sober. Or if it's comedy, go to the coffee shop with your notebook, write like 20 jokes, whatever they are, just write, write, write. Then hit a joint and look at it and punch up. I mean, that... That is when you're using cannabis as a creative tool in its most maximum. Because um, I, I think it's just a way of looking at something a little bit different. And then that gives you a different angle. But, you know, I'm also getting to a point where I'm like, do I need it? Like almost with meditation, I'm getting to a point where I can um, let it go. And uh, and see that alternative shift by uh, like opening my consciousness consciousness enough. You know, sometimes the cannabis, if it's definitely if it's a super sativa, it can get get that monkey mind um, freaking out a little bit. Not freaking out, but you know, working. But sometimes I I do love it when I'm playing guitar, um, you know. I guess uh, if you want to hear a great um, one of the best, uh, I just heard it the other day. Grateful Dead live songs is at Corn St. Stephen's. That was my first song that I even I think I must have been 
in the eighth grade. And I got, I started going through, a, I went hip hop because I was breakdancing super early. So I, I listened to all the Mantronics, Egyptian Lover, all this electric funk, even before Run DMC. And then I knew all about Run DMC. That kind of went run, uh, mainstream. Beasties went mainstream. Um, then I went more of a classic rock. Um, I, you know, you, you learn about Led Zeppelin, The Who. Um, this is for me early on. And I started going deep on Led Zeppelin, The Who, going deep. They're all wasted. Uh, there's that one fucking... There was a, like, my older cousins were into The Who, and they saw that one tour. I think it was, like, 79 and 80, where the kids are all right. And, I, and um, it's like Keith Moon has those big fucking uh, ear goggles on, you know, and he's playing the drums. And there's this one concert where they do have those green lasers, you know, those, like, those laser lights that look like green lasers that shoot out. And there's this one scene of, like, Pete Townsend, like, sliding, and he's just rocking, and uh, Roger Daltrey is singing, and they're all wasted, and, the, and those lasers shoot out. I think that's a, the Kids Are All Right concerts. I think there's some DVD that's out there. Uh, and then I went Led Zeppelin, and then, oh, The Grateful Dead, St. Stephen's. It's a great song. Check out St. Stephen's. But if you want to hear the best live version is Cornell 77 Cornell University uh, I think my first girlfriend I haven't seen her in years but she went on to go to Cornell she was smart as hell um shout out to Carrie uh but uh but St. Stephen's uh Cornell University check that out 1977 uh Hey, hey, what can I do? I, I wrote that down. The Foo Fighters. I can listen to some, I fuck with some Foo Fighters. I'll just say that. Not all the time. Like, they got so big. They've been playing so much. Even I get sick of them. But they are doing, like, this cool concert series in D.C. Or, like, they're behind it somewhere. Um, at the original 930 space. Which was, like, this dirty little club. Like, I never went to the 930. I went... I went to Kilimanjaro, which was in Adams Morgan, uh, and that was a big reggae spot, and I saw a go-go band there, but I remember the punk scene popping off, but I was a little, I mean, I'm talking like uh, Minor Threat and all that shit, like I remember that stuff, but I was much younger than everybody, and I remember the punks, you know, kind of, DC punks were violent, man, this wasn't internet punks, these were kids that were straight up anarchy, they'd punch in the face, um, not all of them, but but I remember that. But I remember people being proud of Minor Threat because of In Bad Brains. And kind of the more artsy kids I knew were into that shit and turned me on to it. But I wasn't full bored, but I knew about it. Like, I always absorbed all these things, but never went all in. All in on certain scenes. Yeah, like I always have this story about my friend that went punk rock for like a week and then he got beat up by a bunch of punk rockers but i remember him just showing up just all punk rocked out and uh which was cool but i knew his essence wasn't that he was just buying into the scene and that's why i'm always like i get wary of you need scenes that are not toxic but they can turn so toxic so i've always been you know kind of a lone wolf in that sense like you gotta keep it moving 
But Hey Hey, What Can I Do by Led Zeppelin. I've been playing that. Uh, I think we're over an hour. I just rambled on like uh, this was my my therapy session. So I appreciate you guys listening. Uh, Like and subscribe. Like I said, follow me at Rob88. Can't trail on the IG, which is uh, short for Instagram. And then, uh, you know, I got two big headlining dates that I want people to come out to. So all you uh, coffee and stone down motherfuckers that have been uh, checking out my rambling on this podcast, come out to the barn if you live out in Massachusetts, anywhere near Egremont on April 13th. And then the punchline in Philadelphia, May 18th. So just slowly building some of these headlining shows, but also doing a lot of... Check out my Instagram stories if you want to check out like little shows in New York, if you're in the New York area or just in town, to check out the uh, Lady Liberty um, come through. All right, that's it. Peace and love. I'm out.